0: don't need that to read, do I? All right, this morning we're going to be reading out of Acts. Um, Just to give you a little context, last week we were talking about a Roman centurion named Cornelius who had a dream uh, that he was supposed to go and find a guy named Peter. And so we're picking up on verse 7. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened up and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, "'Get up, Peter, kill and eat.' "'Surely not, Lord,' Peter replied. "'I have never eaten anything unclean or impure.' The voice spoke to him a second time, "'Do not call anything impure that God has made clean.' This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven." While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for, why have you come? Then the men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to this house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his
1: guests. All right. Uh, One of my favorite kids TV shows, when I have kids and I'm watching shows with the kids, had a real short run, I think it was on PBS, it was called Between the Lions. It was kind of like CBS, it was trying to help, it was like educational, trying to help kids uh, learn to read, but it would use, you know, Muppets and some animation and some uh, live people and bring them all together in little vignettes. One of the segments that they would show just about every week was the adventures of Cliff Hanger. Mr. Hanger, Cliff... How it went was they'd open the book of of The Adventures of Cliffhanger, written by Livingston Dangerously, and every single week it started the same way. There'd be a helicopter of people that would, in tuxedos, it was like a quartet, they would be flying by this guy, Cliffhanger, who's got a branch at the edge of a cliff and saying, Can't hang on much longer! And, And they would say, That's why they call him Cliffhanger. And then they would go, they would fly away. And then Cliff would reach into his backpack and decode, read, you know, he's teaching kids that reading is cool, decode what to do. And every time the scene below the cliff would change every week. So if there was a whale, there's water and it's a whale, okay, you read, okay, you jump onto the whale and then the whale will, the, when the spout goes off and then the spout went down. Or there's a seesaw, you know, a seesaw comes, and okay, the guy lifted it up to you, good, get on the seesaw, it goes back down, but then a gorilla comes. And every week the same thing would happen, though, at the end. It would get resolved, but like if he's on the seesaw, all of a sudden a gorilla jumps on the seesaw, he flies up in the air, he hits the cliff, he, he and then it ends, can't hang on much longer, which, you know, is sort of gets stupid when you see, like, this is how it's going to go every single week, except... Isn't that how all of our shows work now? Isn't that like what Netflix does? They like resolve something, but then leave it so that you think, ah, oh, just one more episode, and it's never going to end. It's never, I, I think if, if they would, I'd be sold on shows if they're one season, because then there's going to be an ending. But now I know it's just going to, whatever happens, it's just something else going to happen. Anyway, the reason I bring all that up is that Acts at particularly this section of Acts, the weeks, the chapters, reading up, and what we're le- reading right now are cliffhangers. Back in the time, they didn't have Netflix. They, you know, they were hearing stories, and the, everything would constantly be leaving like what happens next to them. We don't feel like these are cliffhangers because some of us know what happens next, and even if we don't really know the story, the thing that created the most tension for them back then doesn't really create any tension for us right now. It doesn't feel like a big deal for us right now. So I want to explain that because this story is so huge. This particular story that we're taking four weeks to look at is huge in how Christianity, how Jesus' movement would spread. Because there was a lot going against it. So here's the cliffhanger. If you go to verse 23, where Jenny ended, it says, Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. Now, actually, if we had ended one verse sooner, that would have been a little bit of a tension point. Is he really going to go through with it? And I'll explain that in a second. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along everyone, if you didn't know where the story was going, if you were there in that moment at that time, would be thinking like, what is going to happen? He, Peter, a Jew, is going to go to Cornelius, a Roman, Gentile soldier's house. That's not supposed to happen. That's never supposed to. He's supposed to be like the leading God person. He's leading the movement of God. And he's going to go and violate Something major that God says, which is you can't go into the house of a Gentile. No, 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 no. And so what was going to happen? Here's why I'm pulling this verse up to start. Because maybe, given that the big moment is coming next week, when they actually meet together, given that that's the big moment, if we keep reading, that's the big moment we could miss there's a huge major point in this verse right here which is Peter went. Peter went to an unlikely person to be connected to God. Peter went to a person that other people would have written off. Peter went willing to share Jesus even though it could screw up his whole reputation. Jesus went to another or Peter went to another person even though he he didn't know he could get rejected, it could even be dangerous. There are all sorts of legitimate reasons for Peter not to go to Cornelius's house but he went before he knew what was going to happen god told him to go god did not tell him what would happen he's just going trusting knowing the results could be bad i mean it's not like peter's had guaranteed good results he's already been beaten he's been jailed he, things have happened to him already he watched jesus get executed by romans there's no guarantee in this but he went he was willing to go to whoever. He was willing to go to someone unlikely. Now, here's why I talk about the cliffhangers in the big story. Because at the beginning of Acts, it talks, Jesus says, he's gonna, the, the disciples are supposed to wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. They receive power, and then they'd be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now how is this going to get to the ends of the earth? It is incredibly unlikely. In chapters 7 through 12, 13, somewhere in there, are kind of the the key stories in how this is going to happen. But what we have to realize is that at the beginning what Christianity, what we now call Christianity, was was a Jewish messianic sect. So Judaism, at the time, had all kinds of different sects, different groups. Pharisees, Sadducees, Essenes, Zealots, all kinds of different kinds of Zealots, super, super militant, like terrorist Zealots, and then other Zealots that just were were kind of trying to undermine Rome, but in a different way. Anyway, they had all sorts of different groupings, including Messianic Jewish sects. What were Messianic Jewish sects? If there was a leader... A leader that seems so amazing, so profound, he maybe became the hope that he's the Messiah, and this guy will be who leads us for freedom from Rome. Sometimes that turned into a military thing, which turned into a bunch of crucifixions of the, he, that person and their followers. Sometimes it was more like a withdrawal from the world. You know, we're going to be in the desert. We're going to do our own thing. But none of it mounted. But but there's this there's this other one, this new one, that's gaining some traction. Jesus of Nazareth, said to be dead, but then rose again, has this group that's following him, but they're all Jewish. Now, it starts towards the ends of the earth at Pentecost, when Luke lists 15 different countries, you know, Phrygia, Rome, Egypt, uh, so modern-day Iran, modern-day Turkey, modern-day Italy, modern-day North Africa. He's listing all these different regions to say when, when they heard Peter and they heard the other disciples talking in tongues in their own language. Then these people who had gathered for the the Jewish festival were now going back that way. So it was multicultural because these Jews that gathered were from different countries and spoke different languages and all of that. But they weren't, it was not multi ethnic. They were all Jewish. They were still Jewish. They followed the Jewish dietary laws, they followed the Jewish patterns of time in terms of their calendar every week or the festivals of the year they had made pilgrimage they were jewish they did not associate with gentiles now some of them may have as they went out because that's how they were uh, influenced in the culture but it, they were still identified as jewish so how is this thing going to move from jewish to non-jewish Beyond Jewish, anyway. Maybe not non-Jewish, but beyond Jewish. And here's, here's the deal. My mind first goes to, like, well, that's, that would be impossible. How are you going to convince these other people, these non-Jewish people, that this thing is real? How are a group of people who are oppressed, a group of people who are clearly not, not the winners, who have to do a strange thing to your body if you're a male, who don't get to eat the good stuff, who have kind of prudish laws or rules or followings around sexuality? In fact, that in the fact that they don't go for sexual immorality when that was the norm. How are these people going to convince Roman citizens, you know, Greek culture followers, extraordinary the elites? How are, how is this little group of people with no power, no political power, no military power? Not very uh, involved, some were, but not tons involved in the education systems. How are they going to make this movement worldwide? How are they ever going to convince the other people? Seems like a long shot. Seems like pretty much impossible. But what I hadn't thought about enough is that that wasn't the biggest barrier. The biggest barrier wasn't like, how are, how are we Jewish people going to convince these other people who don't have any, any grid for this? How are we going to ever convince them? Why would they ever want to join? That wasn't the hardest thing. The hardest thing was to convince the Jewish people that they should even want, that they should even try to go convince someone else. Because ingrained in their system was, We are holy people, we are set apart, we are doing these things to follow God, and we do not come into fellowship with non-Jewish people. We do not eat with them, we do not go into their house. If we do, we are unholy. Now, the reality is that from the beginning, God had in mind for these Jewish people, for this nation that came from a common family heritage... To be light to the world. The prophets talk about this. Be light to the Gentiles. Be a place where all the nations can come in. Right from the beginning, Abraham, before there was any Moses, any laws that they now followed, God said to Abraham, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. When they got the law, it was to be a priest and kingdom to the nations to show people what God was like. They had missed that. They had gotten so focused on the things that God said for a season would help them set apart and stay focused on God and not become like the other nations, that they missed out on the fact that their whole purpose was to bless the other nations, to go to the other nations. And so what you have is a group of people that are just going to operate within their own internal circle. And maybe if someone was kind of open to the Jewish faith, kind of familiar to the Jewish faith, then maybe that person I might invite in. Maybe that person I might help to become a convert. But mostly, like, no. No. Going to the Samaritans, going to Samaria. So Judd taught on this a couple of weeks ago. You know, They went to Samaria, and there's a Simon the sorcerer there who's casting a spell and everything, but... The Samaritans, it was like, they'll never believe, even though they did have a sense of connection to Israel. Connection, they knew the stories of Jacob. They knew, even that was a hard one. But to go to a Gentile, to go to a Roman soldier, what those two things represented, Gentile? No. So what we find leading up to this point is that uh, Stephen got rocked to death. Saul, this man Saul, standing over it approving it. They get scattered. They start going to Samaritans and Jews. We talked about that for a couple of weeks, or, or uh, the Samaritans and into Judea. And then we actually skipped a chapter, because we're going to talk about more about this Saul character if we do another Acts series next year. But let me just quickly tell you what was in the chapter, because it so connects to what's going on. It's, it's part of the cliffhanger. Like, I'm going to tell you part of the story about, about uh, what's happening with, with Philip and in Samaria, and Peter's there, and then I'm going to go to Saul, and then I'm going to come back to Peter, and, just, and then he's going to start weaving these things together. So here's what it is. Saul, he went from approving the death of a leader of, in the church to literally hunting people down, arresting them. He was going, and he wouldn't just do it in his own area. He's going to other cities. He's gonna go to Damascus and do it. And on his way, he has a vision. And in his vision, Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? Stop persecuting me. In the vision, he becomes blind. He's supposed to go to a man's name. I don't remember the guy's name. It starts with an A. He's supposed to go to his house, and that guy has a vision. Now, is Saul really gonna do it? Cliffhanger, he does. What's this guy going to do? Because when he gets the vision that he's supposed to pray for Saul, he says, no way, that guy's arresting everybody. That's dangerous. He's, he's hateful. But he let, invites him in. Prays for him. Things fall off his eyes. What's, and Saul becomes a Christian. And what's going to happen next? Now we're back to Peter. And Peter raises somebody from the dead. He heals a paralyzed man. That's what's happening. And then all of a sudden, there's this another vision Cornelius, a Roman Gentile, but one who prays, one who fears God, one who believes in there is a God, one who's giving to the poor. This guy gets a vision that says, I want you to invite Peter in. While these guys are on their way, when they're almost there, the guys that Cornelius sent, Peter has a vision, another vision. In this vision, he sees all sorts of animals that the Jewish people would consider unclean, can't eat it. If you eat it, you defile yourself. And he senses God saying, kill and eat. No, I've never done that. I've never done, done something that's so obviously wrong to them. And God says, don't call what's, what I call pure impure. And just so that he doesn't miss it, it happens three times. Then God says, people are coming. And I want you to go with them to this man's house That happens as he ends the prayer time. They're there. So he goes, and he has a choice to make. Do I invite people in? He does. And then, verse 23, do I actually go with them? He does, and some other believers do. Now again, as a leader of the church, he could lose his status. He could think this could cause other good, good folk who follow Jesus who believe in Jesus, it could cause them to fall away because they'd be so offended because this is so offensive. It, I just don't have the category for it. But the reality is the idea that you would go to this kind of person, it would be offensive to some, it would be pointless because the odds of that person actually becoming a believer are like, nah, it's not going to happen. Now, as I've said a few times in this series so far, far. so what? What are we supposed to do with that? What is the message to us that we could actually take with us into the days and weeks to come? Peter was willing to go to a place that didn't seem like God would be at work at all, even though it was risky, even though he didn't know it would happen. My friend uh, John Heatbrink, who's on staff with InterVarsity, is leader of, um, he's, he leads over, he oversees people in, in multiple states. So he gets to connect to a lot of stories. And he sent me a couple months ago this little story, it's, I think it's six or seven minutes, of a person who works for InterVarsity and she is trying to reach people. And this is her story as the pandemic is starting. I want you to listen to the story and see if this story, combined with Peter going, can give us some ideas for how could we live it out. So let's go ahead and watch the video now.
2: Hello, Tim's Ministry Partners. (laughs) My name is Ariana, and I moved to New York City during the pandemic to plant Greek University at NYU Columbia, Um, and I had no idea that God would connect me to this wild story, so Um, At the beginning of January, I was working on something called Instagram Outreach, which is a way we were doing outreach in the middle of the pandemic because we couldn't be on campus. Um, And I had this wild idea that what if I reached out to club leaders and we could do co-events online and therefore I could meet everyone in their club and they could hear about university and ultimately Jesus. (laughs) So I reached out to an animal welfare club and the message said something like, Hey, my name's Ariana. I work for this campus ministry and God loves animals too. Maybe we could do an event together. Um, It's kind of laughable, but it worked. And their president, Alice, responded to me and said, You know what? I'm planning a spirituality summit. Um, I'm formerly atheist. Uh, I've dealt with anti-Semitism, but I'm Jewish. And I was like, Oh, that's a lot of info. Um, Cool. So I reached out to Alice and asked her if we could do like a five-minute IG FaceTime call And from there, it was kind of electric God was definitely bringing some sort of relationship friendship into being. So I asked Alice if we could meet in person for dumplings. So we met for dumplings about two weeks later, and she was late to the meeting because she was hungover. So um, it was very cold indoor dining was not a thing in New York City. This was the beginning of February. And so as we were freezing, trying to eat our frozen vegan dumplings, she was like, I live really close to here. And the threat level seemed pretty small. So I was like, yeah, I can go with you to your apartment. (laughs) Um, So I walked with Alice to her apartment and she starts to tell me her life story. Um, I didn't really ask anything special. I was just like, hey, what's your spiritual background? And so... She starts to tell me that she grew up Jewish, that she didn't really like it, that she made fun of the Torah, that she just felt like it was a lot of weight to have to follow something. Um, But that in the last year during the pandemic, she's become really curious about God and, and different things about God. And even, she said, the last week before, she had had her palm read and that in the palm reading, she thought that she was supposed to die and come back to life. And I was like, that's so interesting, Alice, have you heard of baptism? Like Christians believe that <laughs> in baptism, we're buried with Christ and we raised to new life. And she's like, that's wild, I've never heard of that. So we keep walking to her apartment, we get inside and she introduces me to her roommate, Anushka. Anushka comes from a Hindu background, she's from Singapore, her mom is a Hindu witch. Um, and I never felt scared, although I feel like growing up in Christian households, they tell you to be afraid around these types of things. But I kind of felt the presence of the Holy Spirit with me. So I sat on the floor in their tiny East Village apartment, and I'm eating my dumplings and asking questions. And Alice goes, oh, by the way, I had this spiritual experience where I went blind. And I was like, oh, tell me about it. Because my mind's thinking, like, Alice is Jewish. Paul went blind. What's going on? So she tells me that um, in January, Anishka was home, visiting home, and she went blind for three days. And... (laughs) the third day she was terrified didn't know what to do who to call couldn't figure out how to call on the phone but she somehow got spotify to play music and the kanye west album the the jesus kanye west album as she calls it came on and he was like talking about Jesus as lord and this stuff and she kind of heard god say worship me and i'll heal you so she fell on the ground in her um apartment room and asked god to heal her eyes and she kind of touched them and she said it felt like fish scales and as she touched them and was crying it it, it fell off and she could see again Um, And she was like, have you ever heard of this? Like, this sounds wild. I was like, um, yes. (laughs) There's this book called Acts. It was actually the beginning of the Christian church. Can I read you this passage? And she was like, sure. So I'm like frantically pulling up Bible Gateway on my phone, reading her the, the book of Acts. And for some reason, I felt like I need to start in Acts 8. So I started in Acts 8, and it talks about Simon the witch. And I'm reading this whole passage, and Anushka's like, wait, witchcraft is bad? My mom's a witch. Um, And she's like, she's not mad. She's just like hearing these things for the first time. Um, Then I read them the story of Paul and they're like, is this Bible study? And I was like, this is totally Bible study. And they were like, can you come back every Friday and do this with us? And I'm like, this is just, this is perfect. Yes, I can, I can come back every Friday. So um, they started to dream about who they wanted to invite to Bible study without me asking. And um, I came back the next Friday they invited their Muslim friend, Jenna. So I brought them all their first Bibles. We started reading the Book of Mark together, and from there it just got even weirder. <laughs> they started to have dreams, um, and they would finish each other's dreams. So Alice would have a dream, Anishka would have the end. Anishka would have a dream, Alice would have the end. Um, and this was kind of like happening over a period of a month and a half. So I was praying with my staff team, with Tim, with others, for them to have dreams about Jesus, um, for them to fall in love with Jesus through dreams. So. Um, I get this weird text message on a Monday that says, it's from Jenna, and she's like, I'm worried about Alice and Anushka. Can you send them a number of a priest to come cleanse their apartment? And I'm like, "Um, what's happening? So I text Alice, and she's like, oh, okay, Um, by the way, we're experiencing, we think demons in our apartment. And I was like, I wouldn't be surprised. I know what you guys do in your apartment. So... um, Alice, I call her, we Facetime that evening, I texted Tim, I was actually off that day because I wasn't feeling well, I've been experiencing a lot of pain in my body, um, and Tim kind of walked me through what to do, he reached out to some intercessors on his intercessor team, um, and I FaceTimed Alice and I asked her to tell me about her dream, so the dream she was having was about this verse, and she didn't know it was a Bible verse, she was like, "It's in my dream, I see the numbers Luke, or the word Luke, and the numbers 833, and I was like, that's a Bible verse, And she was like, oh. So we looked it up and it says, Jesus cast the demons into the pigs and they ran over a cliff and died into the ocean. And I was like, okay, so you're experiencing demonic things in your house. Your Bible verse is about Jesus's power to cast these things out. Maybe we can invite Jesus into your apartment. (laughs) So we invite Jesus into the apartment. Um, They're doing listening prayer with me over FaceTime. Um, And Jesus identifies what's attacking them. He sends it out of the apartment. Um, And then they they start asking like, Ariana, can Jesus save us too? We don't want this to come back. And I was like, actually, yes, (laughs) he can 100% save you. So we prayed for them to accept Jesus as their savior. We talked about what that meant. And then they prayed with me. And then they were like, wait, We also want the Holy Spirit that you've talked about before. So we prayed for the Holy Spirit to fall. They felt this wind rush through their apartment. (laughs) And that was pretty much the beginning of them inviting even more friends to come to their Bible study. Um, And I can't wait to share more. Hello.
1: So, quite a story. And there's lots of things we could just sit down and talk about like, about that story and learn from, from her, learn from how she wasn't judgmental when things happened, learn from how she stayed connected to Christian community even as she was reaching out to other people. We could, we could do lots of things. I just like how it all started. She's, she wants people to know about Jesus. And it's not not just like, well, I know this person. How can I, it's the pandemic well, I can't right now. It's been, I'm going to reach out to clubs where maybe some of, a lot of them don't know Jesus. Oh, it's an animal welfare club. Hey, God loves animals too. Let's get together. That's how it all started. Not because God gave her some vision. Just because she was willing and trying to think creatively about how can I get to people who don't know Jesus and, and get in relationship with them. She didn't get there and then start preaching to them. She just got there and got to know them and asked questions about their story only to find out God had been way ahead of it. Oh, we're planning, the Animal Welfare Club was planning a spirituality retreat. Oh, I just had this thing that happened to me where I had this I thought about uh, my palm read and I die and I come back to life. Oh, the roommate, oh, I just you know went blind. All the, God was already at work so many times people that we think, ah, it's they'll never want to come. They'll never want to get to know Jesus. We'll never, we should never bring that up. And God's already at work, but we're just not going to go there. Sometimes the most unlikely, in our minds, people, are the ones God particularly has in mind. I did a wedding near Council Bluffs a few weeks ago. So I stayed in a hotel that night, I came back from the wedding, I got my, my uh, suit on, and as I'm coming in, a bunch of guys are sitting out on the patio of the hotel, uh, having beers. Like, oh, they start kind of making fun of me for being dressed up, and I'm like, yeah, I'm with you. I hate being in this right now. like, ah, so why, are you, you're pretty dressed up for a wedding. I said, well, I actually did the wedding. Are you pastor? Yeah. Hey, come have a beer with us. Come have a beer with us. Which is, you know, typical. When people find out you're a pastor, they want to have a beer with you. So I was like, well, not in this. So I went and changed clothes and I came back down. And the last thing the guy said to me is, I was, I want to hear your story. Really? So it's a group of guys, and really it came down to two guys. Two guys that stayed the whole time, two guys that were really doing the most of the talking when the other guys. And here are the two guys. One, they all work together now in the same industry, but one had been an officer, a pretty high-up officer, on a nuclear submarine. Could tell, bright person. His friend talked about how he's an atheist. He's a liberal, yada, yada. Meanwhile, the other guy, who's a friend, he viewed himself as a, you know, friend of of God, in terms of he was for God while this other guy was against God. And he, they said, you know, we are good friends, But he's liberal and I'm conservative and we just don't agree on on politics things. His friend had been an addict, at one point homeless, the conservative one. And so now he's so now which person is gonna be more interested in Jesus? More friendly to conversation about Jesus? So here's what happened in the conversation. The liberal, he said, I'm not atheist, he's maybe more agnostic. Just talked about how the political, and he's going back decades, not just in recent years, the political evangelicals have just turned him off to Jesus. And so my thought was, well, can we talk about Jesus? He seemed interested. He seemed, now, the other one hated the church. The church just wants your money. Don't you know that there's some some places where they they need your tax returns when you go to church to make sure that you tithe and actually give the ten percent? Don't you? He had all these things. And literally, when the more we talked, he would say, "What do you think about that?" I said, "I don't really endorse that." So I guess I don't have to defend it. Oh yeah. But, well, what about this? I said, "I just oh, well." His thing was, "Why do all these religions fight? They're all the same. Hindu, Muslim. They're almost the same. They're all going the same place." He was a friend of religion who hated church, thought all religions were the same, yelled at me often. And I said, well, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I need to get in a debate about different religions. I follow Jesus. so And I watch other people, as they start following Jesus, their lives change. Well, the Bible's not real. He's getting Da Vinci Code error on me. Uh, Well, you know, I don't know about all that. All I know is that when we read the Bible and we pray to God and we seek him in his word, it's like he is talking to us and he does change us. And the other guy was totally dialed in, was asking more questions, was affirming things from back when he did have faith. How likely was that to happen? it was really helpful that I had watched that video a week or two before I walked past this group of people and instead of thinking like, I think this is going to be a waste of my time. What if people see me having a beer? I just said I had a beer here. I had a beer with them. What if people see me in omaha land? Probably not. But anyway, what are the like, little voices that go through the head? But instead it was like, Somebody's asking me to tell my Jesus might be ahead of me here. He might already be at work here in one of these guys. I don't know what happened. I didn't like to do a sinner's prayer with anybody or lead anybody to the Lord, but I think one guy's heart towards God may have opened back up a little. So I'm going to have the worship team come up. In a moment, I'm going to pray that we will go. That we will go and somehow God will connect us to where he's already working in people's lives. But there's one other aspect of this story that I don't want us to miss. Peter was willing to go. He was willing to go to bring people to Jesus. But there's something else about Peter here. Peter was willing to have people come to him. Peter was willing to have a conversion experience. Does Peter need a conversion experience? He's the head apostle. He's walked with Jesus. He just raised somebody from the dead. He's healed paralyzed people. He, who of all people wouldn't need to be radically changed again? I would think Peter. But the reality is Peter one time said, I'm giving up everything to follow you, Jesus, and he still needed to be changed. Because when Jesus says, who do people say I am? Peter, got it right. You're the Messiah. But then a little bit later he said, and this is what I think it means. And Jesus says, you're missing it. You're actually on the side of Satan. And Peter needed to be converted again. And Peter denied Jesus and he needed to be converted again. He believed in Jesus. He was following Jesus. He was healing even in Jesus' name and preaching Jesus. But he needed to keep being converted and keep being converted and keep being converted so that he would still be focused out there and not just in here or in here. And I think we need that too. We need to keep being open to, we still don't see it exactly like Jesus. You know, I will say this, it does not surprise me, as fantastic as those stories seem, it does not surprise me that people who have very little knowledge of the Bible would be experiencing things that we read about in the Bible all the time, like demons and them getting cast out and like being wide open to the Holy Spirit and then having wind come in. Because, in my experience, non church, non religious people often put up less objections to the movement of the Holy Spirit supernaturally than church religious people. When that starts happening, the focus isn't can we get this stuff happening here? The focus is can we get people to know Jesus? Can we get people to know Jesus? And when we're focused on that, stuff starts happening. Jesus starts moving. Do we want that? Do you want to be part of that? Let's pray. I'm going to pray for myself. I'll do it in plural so that any of you that want this to be your prayer too can just agree. God, we want to keep being changed by you. So that we're completely aligned with Jesus. We want to keep being changed by you, being open to who you'd send, to the the people you bring in our lives, so that we would reach people, that we would see things the way you see them, we would love people the way you love them. Would you keep changing us? And then now, would you go ahead of us, into the days and weeks and months and even years to come, setting up divine appointments? We want to be sent to people and be part of a group of people that would help reach those who don't know you and aren't following you. Even maybe, Lord, in this next year to some of the most unlikely, send us to them. More importantly, Jesus, would you be going to them? We can't do it. We just want to join what you are doing. pray these things in your name. Amen.